TAVR is more inclusive than ever before. Send all severe aortic stenosis patients to a heart team for a TAVR evaluation. Consider your patient's health and lifestyle needs when determining their best treatment option. Learn more at heartvalves.com. That's heartvalves.com to learn more. Brought to you by Edwards Life Sciences. You're listening to Rock's Heart Radio from the front. In this episode, Roxana Mehran takes on physician wellness and COVID-19 with Lakshmi Mehra and Benjamin Salter. Hello, it's Roxana Moran um, coming to you uh, on Rock's Heart Radio and um, this podcast uh, dedicated to the front during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I am uh, Roxana Moran, professor of uh, medicine, cardiology, population health science, um, and policy at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. I'm really, really pleased today to have with me uh, Dr. Lakshmi Mehta, Professor of Medicine at Ohio State University, Director of Preventive Cardiology and Women's Cardiovascular Health at Ohio State, as well as my other guest, a colleague uh, from Mount Sinai Hospital, uh, Dr. Benjamin Salter, Assistant Professor of Anesthesiology and the Program Director for the uh, fellowship anesthesiology fellowship cardiovascular anesthesiology fellowship at uh, Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. Welcome to the both of you, and thank you for being uh, part of this conversation. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. So, um, if it's okay, I'm going to call um, uh, you Lakshmi and you Benji, uh, just so that we can have a really kind of off-the-cuff conversation. I want to first and foremost congratulate Lakshmi for her beautiful presentation at the American College of Cardiology for the work that you did on the surveys on on physician wellness, uh, the cardiologists. What did you find? Uh, Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that study that you did and present it? Sure. Um, Thanks, Roxana. We uh, did a survey of ACC members. We sent it out to about 14,000 cardiologists and approximately 2,000 cardiologists completed this survey. And the questions were specific to burnout um, and some of the uh, impacting factors related to it. Um, the, the survey, we used a mini-Z survey where, patient, where the respondents would self-respond to questions of how they felt uh, they were in terms of burnout or being just highly stressed or not burn out at, burned out at all. And what was interesting was uh, only 21% of the cardiologists felt that they weren't burnt out and they weren't highly stressed. About 44% felt very stressed. And approximately 35% felt burnt out. And interestingly, the uh, burnt out population has increased. We did a similar survey in 2015, and at that time, 27% of the cardiologists had reported being burnt out. So this is an increase from 27% to about 35%. The data also shows that uh, women tended to respond to being burned out more frequently than men, so about 45% of women compared to 33% of men reported feeling burned out. And also, when we looked at career stages and in terms of relation to burnout, the highest uh, prevalence of burnout was reported amongst the mid-career cardiologists at about 45%, uh, which is surprising because we often think of it being an early career kind of issue, uh, but that didn't 
seem to pan out at all. And, and not surprising, we showed that those who worked more than 60 hours per week uh, tended to report higher rates of burnout than if they reported lower uh, hours of work per week. And a hectic work environment was certainly related to burnout. So if they felt like their workspace was just too chaotic, um, that is associated. Um, and then when we asked uh, the cardiologists also about if they had any plans for leaving their current practice, and about 15% or so said that they would consider leaving their practice in the next 12 months. And the things that were really associated with why they would want to is related, especially amongst the burnout group, ended up being their desire to spend more time with their family, their the amount of call, the excessive RVU targets, and um, electronic health records, as well as the pressure to maintain high patient satisfaction scores um, was more significant in the burned out group than those who were not burned out but thinking of leaving their practice. Uh, so, you know, to summarize, it's it's an important data set that shows that burnout is uh, increasing from 2015 to 2019 and increased about 32% or so. And we've also showed that women and mid-career cardiologists are at a higher risk of uh, burnout. Wow. Uh, well, this is just a daunting, daunting um, uh, data set for you to share with us. And that was all before COVID, before a pandemic, before all of this hell has broken loose now. So Benji, um, uh, you're on, on the line, uh, anesthesiologist on the front lines in the epicenter of the epicenter, yeah. New York City, uh, for the pandemic. Um, uh, Governor Cuomo today uh, told us uh, the, uh, the number of cases in New York State is 100,000, above 100,000, with 3,000 patients already have died uh, from this pandemic, putting the, um, the death rate at about 3%. The number of hours and the all of the hectic talk about hectic work hours and being away from family. Tell us what it feels like right there in the front lines. I mean, you know, I think that there's two really kind of um, points that I think about a lot. One, actually, about a week and a half ago, I actually tweeted out to you know the Twitter universe saying, you know, everybody's concerned about the healthcare system breaking but nobody is really concerned about the healthcare workers breaking. And I think that's where this all started. We got very, very stressed very, very quickly. And we, uh, you know, it's still kind of an issue, but we've lost a little bit of track of making sure that the frontline healthcare workers um, aren't burnt out, which is why, you know, this, this paper that's amazing results to see is so important because pre-COVID we were dealing with, all these different facets of burnout and stress in our life. And now with COVID, it's just been amplified. Not only has work gotten more difficult, which it obviously has, the financial strain of everything from your retirement funds to you know, any stocks that you have to your daily earning ability as a physician has totally changed. And then you add on top of that, maybe any home stress that you have with you know, caretaking, all these kind of things are now just amplified. So now being on the front lines, I think that you forget about all of these facets of burnout being augmented. And I definitely see it. I hear it talking to everybody. And I personally experience it as well. 
Yeah, so tell me, how are you doing, Benji? Uh, doing okay. I think that, um, you know, what's, what's really the hardest about the situation for me is not only the daily um, kind of patient interactions and, and dealing with my colleagues, but, you know, early on, uh, my wife and my son we sent them to uh, her uh, her parents' house because obviously we were concerned about getting sick, but also we didn't have anybody. My wife works, so we didn't have anybody that can you know um, take care of my son. So we decided to make the transition. And I'll tell you what: as much fun as I thought it was going to be, it has been so difficult every day and every weekend to not come home to see my wife and my kid. And that's just another arm of this that makes this even more stressful. Yeah, we were talking earlier today about how stressful it's been for you to, to um, you know, especially watching these, um, you know, rather not, not all very elderly and, and sick patients, but even some young patients where you just don't know if they're even going to have a communication with their families. And then you think about your own family and you want to go home to them and you're alone. And it is really, really a very, very difficult, uh, difficult situation. Lakshmi, you hearing Benji? What do you think? What do you think he should do? How do you think he should cope? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, fortunately in Ohio, we are not yet at that stage, but we can, I can see the upsurge in my colleagues feeling that as well as the nursing staff, the, the, uh, the fear of the unknown and seeing what you're going through in New York. So our hearts are out to, to New York and the other epicenters within the country. Um, yeah, it is stressful, and and you know many uh, pe people have expressed the the you know the separation from family being an issue, as well as those that have kept their family together. Their the homeschooling aspect of taking care of their kids has also added to the to the stress. I mean, I would say that you know unfortunately this is a time where it's hard. We have to understand that there's some things that we can control and some things that we can't, and understanding to relinquish some of that uncontrollable. Um, aspects of it, you know, revisiting history, remembering the times that when you overcame an obstacle and what kind of strengths you leveraged to do that is is essential. I think it's important to take a break, um, you know, a brain break from COVID. And it's probably a lot harder for you in New York because you're eating, breathing the whole COVID news. But even here in places, we would say that, you know, try and talk to people about something that's non-COVID, that's non-stressful, is, is, is essential. And then finding the time to uh, take for yourself, you know, making sure you're exercising, making sure you're eating well, uh, and getting enough sleep, because that's really important for your mental health as well as your immunity from uh, things. And then making sure you're surrounded by people that um, have your bat out for you that you can talk to and express your concerns, because I think it's important to, to feel okay saying, I'm scared, um, I don't know what to do. Because people often feel like, especially as cardiologists, we're really assertive and strong people, and you know we don't want to show our weaknesses. So surrounding yourself with people that you may feel comfortable um, bearing those um, minor weaknesses is is okay to um, get you through this period. And and you know people often think, well, I'm socially distanced, but that's fine. Social distance is one thing, and we need it. But remember, social distance doesn't mean social isolation. And there are ways, yeah. fortunately, to communicate with those that you love or want to talk to across the country or around the world uh, through social media. Yeah, no, I think uh, those are all really, really, really great tips. 
Uh, so Benji, um, what do you think could be really helpful? You're facing it. What are you? What are you? What are you yearning for? Because, you know, in so many ways, uh, I think one of the things that we're all um, hearing is that, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that uh, the it takes vulnerability is actually a huge strength uh, in in many many ways, uh, especially admitting having the courage to admit to your vulnerabilities. I think makes you a stronger person. Um, and um, what do you think uh, could be some some helpful hints or helpful tips to to those who are feeling really almost um, at the break point? It's a great question. Um, I think that at least I, I think Sinai has done a pretty good job thus far. They've you know at least our department we get sent out. Um, you know, at least once a week, you know, all the different resources that are available, um, free counseling for patients or for, uh, you know, for healthcare workers, which I think has been awesome, something I've been looking into, you know, just talking to someone that's on the front lines as well, I think is also really helpful. Um, I'm particularly very in favor of mindfulness and meditation, and a lot of the apps have made themselves free to healthcare workers, which are phenomenal. But I think, you know, during the day, maybe even building in time, you know, to your day as an ICU team or as a different team to say, this is the 20 minutes of non-COVID time. And we're just going to like, you know, they, they do a little like, you know, chai time, they bring around tea and everybody takes a break. Those kind of breaks, I think, in the day could be really, really valuable and important. Just a couple hours ago after rounds, um, a friend and colleague who's running an ICU you know, we just said to ourselves, like, let's do 15 minutes of non-COVID talk. And we just didn't talk about patients. We didn't talk about the stats. We just talked about what was happening, you know, in our lives to kind of um, have a distraction uh, as to what is really happening. And then, of course, you know, we turn it back on when we have to. So I think the family support, the outpouring of support, at least in New York City, has been phenomenal every day, multiple families and um, local restaurants and even, even larger companies are donating, you know, food and drinks to really help show their support, which I think is great. Something that's happening in New York City that really almost brings a tear to my eye when I hear it and see it is that at 7 p.m. during shift change, when you're outside in the city, <laughs> People, you know, you know, citizens are coming out on their balconies and coming out to the street and clapping and making noise to support healthcare workers. And I just want them to know that it really does have an amazing effect. That little yeah. bit of, of support, it goes a really long way. And so I think checking in on each other and checking in on family um, and just taking that little extra time to show a little extra support, I think it goes a support, it goes a really, really long way. It's awesome. Well, wow, that's fantastic. I could tell you that um, the 7 p.m. really, really, you know, turns my heart and it, I, I cry. I mean, just you talking about it has brought tears uh, to my eyes now. So it's phenomenal. Uh, it's it moving. Is. New York really is. is. New York is the heart of the world. I really believe that. And uh, we saw it, we saw us all to come together uh, at, in 9-11. We, we will do it. We're doing it now, but it is really, really difficult. And the road is a long one and we still have to trek through it. And I want to thank you both for this wonderful um, 
conversation, which to me is a tip of the iceberg. And you know that I'll be calling back on you. I'm certainly going to be calling on you, Benji, to see how you're doing. Hopefully, I'll see you on, uh, you know, I'll see you in the hospital and find you. Um, and uh, maybe we can take a non-COVID break together. Um, awesome. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you, Dr. Uh, Dr. Lakshmi Mehta, Dr. Benjamin Salter for this wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.